0: This is an important update from the government about coronavirus. We all need to stay alert so we can control the virus and reduce the risk of infection. Staying alert means you must stay at home as much as possible. Work from home if you can. Limit contact with others. Keep your distance if you go out. And wash your hands regularly. Do not leave home if you or anyone in your household has symptoms. Stay alert. Control the virus save lives
1: hello and welcome back to another episode of the political natter now we thought as students we'd bring you our perspective of the coronavirus and everything with it so i'm joined once again by our usual lovely guests thomas gregory hello padawan how are we boys wonderful
2: absolutely fantastic how are you guys i'm, I'm healthy
3: okay. at the minute you're healthy nice. i've had no That's corona what or we might have done because as students we have
1: had a, not know. I had a bit of a touchy, very tough cough for ten days, I must admit, it, and I did self isolate. But what, what, into we, <laughs> what we wanted this podcast to be is we felt as students there's not really much of, of, of our kind of take on on what's going on. And we wanted to kind of discuss our personal experiences and how we maybe feel going forward as students, what might happen with the most important things of all in all of our lives, the pubs so let's have a little chat boys then about what we were feeling what went on when boris announced lockdown
0: from this evening i must give the british people a very simple instruction you must stay at home
1: so tom where were you then when he gave that speech and said that you must stay at home and if your friends ask you to meet, you should tell them to go away.
3: (laughs) Well, actually, you didn't know this, but I was on call to Harry in the bath. Yeah. (laughs) and uh, It got pretty
2: raunchy.
3: Yeah, it got got pretty naughty, it must be said. No, uh, Harry was on audio. I had Boris on. I was in the bath. um, I was in uni halls. Most people had left and I was still there because... We had to wait a week or so for my parents to be able to come and um, pick me up. And suddenly lockdowns announced, as it was said. And I was thinking, well, you know, they said you could still essential travel. And to essential travel, obviously, people had to still go home. But then a couple of days later, the uni halls were starting to get into panic stations. Like we really need to get the students off campus because, to be honest, I don't think then they're
1: not our liability.
3: Hands- yeah. Exactly. So they basically, uh, the hall I was in, they were like, right, basically you've got to leave by tomorrow or you've got to take all your stuff and move it to a centralised hub where a lot of the international students were. And so basically my parents left work and came to get me or arranged to come and get me.
2: Now, Uh, Harry, you were quite lucky because you you were already at home, weren't you? Yeah, I was already at home. So my second term had already ended mm-hmm. at my university because it ended sooner than a lot of the others. Yeah. And so I'd already come home. Mm-hmm. So I had an entire term ahead of me of Which was halls, which... Wiped off the bat. Yes. Well, there's a small story about that, where basically, to start with, there was very little mention of writing that off. Mm-hmm. However, um, there was a movement amongst the students, uh, particularly first-year students, in halls to campaign to get rid of your third-term accommodation charge I joined that group and got in con- we got in contact with the unions and so on and eventually it was wiped clean so that was brilliant yeah. got deposits back and everything so that's definitely that was a, for a me great victory were, for the student.
3: For me they were they were pretty quick in just saying okay term three payments you don't have to to give but some people especially those who aren't in university arranged accommodation mm-hmm who are dealing with landlords etc oh, yeah. that's a whole murky kind of situation that i don't know from my own
1: personal experience when uh, he announced the lockdown i think at that point there was only so we had eight in our flat um there was only five of us at that point two had basically moved out completely and then one was kind of half moved out and kind of had gone home um, for an early easter so five of us sat around the tv we all watched it and at that point we thought okay well where on earth do we go now because, he, you know, he said that the police are going to be, you know, be able to use powers to stop people and find people. And literally five minutes after Boris had spoken, my dad rings me and tells me, right, you better pack your stuff because I'm coming to get you tonight. Mm. Because he was so worried that the police would kind of find him uh, for saying, why are you going? Um, and, you know, from talking to my flatmates as well, one of them, he lives in Wales, so he couldn't actually go home until the following Thursday after Boris had announced it and he actually got stopped at the train station by police and, and they said to him, well, where are you going? He said, well, I've got to go home. And they go, well, so don't you have a home? It's like, well, I'm at uni accommodation. It's, it's going to end, it's, it's ending, you know, in, in a couple of months. I'm going to go home and, and with my mum and go home to my mum. And I know for me, um, you know, you were speaking about uni accommodation fees, Harry, and this kind of struggle you had. I have to say my uni is, was was brilliant from from the off. You know, even when the start of the coronavirus pandemic came out, we had hand gel everywhere. They were, the uni were really on top of it with my accommodation. Now, I haven't fully moved out yet. And I've had some further guidance about how I can fully get my stuff back when it's safe. But I kind of half moved out and, and they were straight away. They went, even if you've half moved out, we will refund you for the final term of the accommodation straight away. And I got that money back. And, you know, to be honest, that money's actually really, really helped me, which has been great. So, you know, at the end of the day, I've had no issues at all. Tom.
3: I was going to pick up on the point where you were saying how there were worries that you had and some of your people that you lived with had. I was going to ask you boys what you were thinking before the severity of this kind of unravelled and when it was still in China and it was being spoken about in China and then suddenly there were some deaths in Italy. What was your mindset? Because for me, uh, where, where I was, there were kind of two groups. There were the people who thought, wow, OK, we need to be really serious about this and we need to keep away and worried about the symptoms. And there were, I would say, the majority who were aware of it, but they were thinking, well, you know, if we get it, we're young and we're going to be fine. And to be honest, it's better that we get it now before we go and bring it back to our families. So there were kind of two groups with that. And and I felt that the people who were not so bothered were in the majority until lockdown was really called, I would say.
2: Yeah, I mean, from my perspective, it was slightly different. Where I was, basically, it was a group of people going around the accommodations and putting up posters. And they were government posters about Covid, coronavirus. Yeah, we, we had the same. Um, yeah. And so uh, they just came through, obviously put them up. And uh, in our accommodation, for example, I housed 14 people. And there were loads of posters all over the entire flat. Um, and it was at that point where I think it kind of became very real to us. So, yeah, to start with, there were definitely two camps. Uh, and I think the louder one was probably that oh, it will be OK. Uh, you know, it's just it's just a flu. But um, that obviously was debunked as soon as that started becoming more real for us. I and it wasn't it long great. until we came up to the idea of lockdown.
3: I reckon the turnover point there was when the realities in Italy were starting yeah. to come over to us. I think that was the time, especially I mean, one of my one of my people that I live with had to go back to Italy in a hurry because of mm-hmm. worrying about the lockdown uh, back home. So it was a and and a, a seminar teacher of mine. So it was it was a sudden kind of, old oh, no. Right. OK, this has gone out of China and we need to be serious about this.
2: Yeah. Uh, sorry about Italy in particular and uh, Britain, like the relationship there is around 30,000 Italian nationals have actually returned to Italy from the UK. Mm. Uh, and that was mostly from the start when lockdown uh just before lockdown was called or around lockdown was called which is very interesting obviously uh, weren't so trusting of our approach even though Italy itself has had obviously a, a terrible amount of deaths from coronavirus
1: I just want to say from kind of my perspective and how I kind of went into it me and my flat were you know it, it's it's hard because obviously nobody nobody had ever seen this before and Obviously, at the start when it's in China, you think, okay, well, we all know about their wet markets. We all know how easy diseases can spread, and quite frankly, they're not, it's not like going to a butchers in Britain where everything is is as hygienic as it can be. You know, it's bound to be diseases spread, and therefore, the people that go to those markets are bound to be a, a, bound to catch something. But then, obviously, as you say, as it comes into Italy, and you think, okay, well, this is obviously more than just something which occurs in poor. Uh, sanitary conditions and hygienic conditions and then it kind of comes and then you get a few cases in the uk and you think well okay I mean, I was thinking, right? Okay, well, this is obviously something which could be, um, you know, reasonably serious. And I and I started to think, well, okay, it'd be all right because I'll be able to stay in my flat, stay in my accommodation for while it's going on. We'll work out, we'll work it out as a flat. A couple of us will go shopping. We'll we can, but we, you know, we can still get food in. And it'll be it'll be fine and dandy. And then obviously things get a lot more serious. And I'm thinking, well, I don't know if I, I don't know if I'm going to go home. I don't know if I can go home. I know my mum personally is somebody which is. Um, kind of one of these at-risk people so I didn't know if I go home and I've maybe picked it up in a shop somewhere you know you don't know where it is in the community I might have picked it up and then I go home into an environment which isn't safe because it's a completely new situation for me it was sometimes hard to figure well, what on earth do I do do I go home and then for I'm with my family or do I stay here where I'm, I'm with younger people who are at less risk and in the end it turned out when lockdown was announced you know the decision was made Between me and my family, that I would go home. And that's what I've done. I think that's what most people have done because, like I said to you earlier, Thomas, it's almost like the universities maybe wanted a little bit of liability off their shoulders. And yeah, you can't blame them. And at least kind of our universities have been good. And Harry, even though you had a bit of a struggle to do it, they have actually done the right thing, refunded us for accommodation anyway.
3: So maybe we should move on then past accommodation. And maybe talk about how we feel about the value for money uh, with online seminars or reduced teaching. And obviously strikes hit us too, as some of us, especially, well, definitely me and I think Harry as well. So how do we yeah, feel about the yeah, value for money? How was,
1: your, how was your strike experience, Harry? What, okay. why did, what was the strike about as well?
2: The so guys, obviously, you know that I was hit very hard by the strikes. At University of York, we were one of the headliners in the strikes over work and pensions which is and what it was other things. which and and yeah and a few other things the strike was uh, it was quite it spread over quite a few things but obviously work and pensions was the main topic so that's what it was about and it was mostly uh, lectures and as I do history and it's the arts you tend to get a lot more kind of actively mm-hmm. politically actively yeah. people involved and so I missed out on, I would say five to six weeks of teaching in my first two terms alone, uh, and obviously didn't do my third term in person. It was all online and it hit me pretty hard. I missed out on a lot of like valuable lesson time. And obviously Tom, as you said about like charges is absolutely right to question whether 9,250 pounds is a correct price tag for the product that I ultimately got, Uh, you know, ultimately, I've been active about petitions, about reimbursing students for their third term, writing off their third term minimally, because ultimately I didn't get the product that I paid for. And usually if you don't get a product you pay for, then you would get refunded in some way, shape or form. And I think that students who are honestly some of the most economically vulnerable people deserve justice.
3: But the way that the tuition fee system works in our country is it doesn't matter how much you pay as soon as you go down that path of tuition fees and maintenance loan that's nine percent above the threshold level of whatever you earn above the threshold level so it's about 26 grand or something like that nine percent above that regardless of how much maintenance loan you get and how many tuition fees you get so uh i was making the point that we are already tied in, and regardless of how many hours we get, even if we never get any more university, even if it's cancelled forever, we still have to pay 9% above 26 grand until we pay it off. And the interest rates are so high years. that it's unlikely that we even ever get there. So it's a very strange situation. And I think this crisis has highlighted how there needs to be a change but the change that they suggested and have since dropped about lowering tuition fees and increasing the percentages well, is even worse yeah well, Some, one, th- I, one very confusing
1: one thing i do want to mention and i can only kind of tell the tell you this because i have recently reapplied for student finance for next year and so i've gone and i've got the breakdown of payments if you look at the tuition fee loan payments so the first of the nine thousand two hundred fifty pounds, which is basically whatever uni charges nowadays. So the first payment goes out in October. That's two thousand three hundred and twelve pounds fifty. That then same amount then goes out in the in February. Then if you always look, they always the the third amount, the final of the three payments, the, biggest. the third term almost is four thousand six hundred and twenty five pounds. <laughs> yeah. Now because it's not split equally, because the 9250 two hundred fifty is split equally across three terms. The only trouble with kind of something like you, Harry, is is they obviously don't, they don't they don't. The university doesn't want to not get paid that four thousand six and twenty five pounds per student because it's the biggest one.
3: And that's the government doesn't pull the big it, one. of course. That's the, the big one, one they go to for. To the um, going.
1: And so the only way you kind of get But I, I do have a lot of sympathy with you, Harry, because, you know, personally, in terms of online teaching, I was I was quite happy. You know, and, you know, in some of my online teachings, it's brilliant because I got a kahoot. Uh, we had a kahoot going, kind of towards the end of the towards the end of our teaching for this academic year, and we had a kahoot going. It was good fun. We're on Microsoft Teams. Uh, you know, the te- the lecturer was always on time. I've been quite lucky in the sense that my lecturers were always answering their emails at any point. Um, we had a spot on, dead on time lecture. We have a lot, quite a lot of guest speakers which is really good. And our lecturers still organise those guest speakers over a Microsoft Teams thing. So I was quite lucky in online teaching, but obviously I do have a lot of sympathy for, for you guys, especially when you've been when you've been hit by strikes.
3: I didn't have any guest lectures. And I would say that this third term has been, uh, already it was going to be short with exams. Like it, there was yeah. not much to it anyway. I, mean, I think I was, was
1: that... planning to end on 11th of May, I think anyway. So this is always kind of a short term. Yeah, for,
3: most for of that, that was got. kind of... Uh... Most of it was there in in some form, but in a truncated form. Obviously, the positive though that, that must be mentioned in the short term is that we are better off because we did get the maintenance loan come in. So you know we we have got the two thousand something pounds. The overall yeah. experience has been. Well, changed.
1: yeah, this is this is this is what I'm. gonna I'll come to you in a minute, Harry, because I can see you're absolutely eager to speak. But I, I'm just on that point quickly, Tommy G. Yeah, it's definitely helped me, and and because obviously I've had my accommodation refunded, I've got that. You know, I've got that money from my maintenance home, which would have lasted me for the third term, which I'm now not spending because I'm back home with my family. So I've got that there sitting, and that's going to go. Re- that you know, that's going to really help me paying off my rent for the first few months. Before, I, you know, I'm getting a house which I have to start paying for on the 1st of July. So God knows if I'm going to be able to move in. Hopefully I will be. Not for moving properly because it's the thing. It's like nobody, no student wants to move into their house and start living in their house in July. They want to move in back again kind of early September. We're ready to go back to university. So I'm going to have an empty house when we sitting there, which I'm paying for. But it would be nice to at least
2: get moved in. Harry, what do you have to say? I believe that when we're faced with an issue like this, it's crucial that we come down firmly on the side of the student. I believe that it's crucial that we support the student the most we possibly can. And what we need to ask ourselves, as students ourselves, have the universities truly done the most they can to support you? Have universities truly done the most they can to ensure you're gonna be secure? My answer is no. And the reason for that is first of all, They are going to claim, as uh, Jack has pointed out, that that final payment, the largest, is absolutely crucial to them. They must have that. After all, they need to get paid, don't they? However, at the same time, we see them investing millions, millions of pounds into all sorts of different initiatives, not to mention paying vice chancellors ridiculous annual sums. You know, three hundred thousand pounds is commonplace in universities. Oh, yeah. And not just this, but students... For example, at my university, we are told, have you got an issue with your internet connection? Is online teaching going to be a problem for you? Well, okay, that's brilliant. We'll give you permission to suspend your studies. Is this really doing the most for the student? No, it's not. And what I wanna say is that I know there have been good moments such as reimbursements for accommodation, but have they done enough?
3: No. They haven't repaid us in any material form because we cannot be repaid in um, an economic form unless they give you a lump sum of money. And they're definitely never going to do that. So <laughs> we've had no kind of we've had a truncated uh, value for money and we've had well, this no the, reimbursement. I think,
1: I think it almost, you know, you know, the, the student loan is is cancelled after 30 years anyway. So I, I think the argument from universities and the argument from from, from the government will probably be well you know okay well you're not going to have three thousand pounds back because that's three thousand pounds you probably would have never paid back anyway so there's no point in just giving you it back when you when you never would have paid us back that money anyway but harry you're shaking your head at that yeah. no
2: no i i just I, I think that the government and the universities are always going to say things like that uh, you know the universities have been working massively in their own interest for a lot of this and i'm sure we'll get onto that uh, when we discuss cambridge later but in fact I think that, as we talk about in a financial sense, there hasn't been enough justice for the lives of students. And I think more could have been done to ensure uh, that they're in a better place.
3: There's so much as well for this third term. It is a, a crucial term because not only do you not have the exams in in most people's instances or have it converted to an essay or something, you don't mm-hmm. have that oh, I've got to revise and I've got to really test myself and I've got to yeah. then be able to prove that I, I've learned things and that I've, uh, I've developed something from this. But we've also missed out on so many other extracurricular things. I was doing, I was filming a mini spoof film, right? Just a, just a mini spoof Yeah, I mean, film. I'm a, I was half I, done. I missed yeah. a, 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 a musical theatre performance. That was truncated. All these people going to the Edinburgh Fringe. All mm-hmm. of these people who uh, just come from study abroad, things like this, mm-hmm. you know, it's caused way more than just, oh, yeah, you've missed a few teaching weeks. Yeah. It's caused way much more. Yeah. And,
1: and, uh, and, you know, this hmm. is, the, our, you know, we, we, you know, we all, I assume, I definitely have to, you have to, you have to pay to be part of a society. You know, you that money goes to your student union which, you know, is, is supposed to look after you. Whether it does or not, that, that, you know, some would disagree, some would agree. But, you know, certainly, no, I've, like you say, Tom, you've missed, you know, doing like things like spoof film. I've missed, you know, hosting student radio, which I absolutely love. And in terms of, you know, for the good of mental health and for good of physical well-being, this has definitely had a, had a struggle on us. And we're all missing out on some of those things. And, and, it, and it's tough for all of us in, in different ways. But first, it's advert time.
2: How are you doing? It's me, Harry. Do you find yourself fed up, flustered, or maybe frustrated that you can't find journalism that offers a wide range of views? Maybe you desire a silky smooth writing style and an alluring set of creators. Well, look no further. Because we have the only place you'll ever need for all your news-related fantasies. That's right. Head over to politicalnatter.wordpress.com By students, for everyone.
1: But let's kind of stick with the online teaching thing, because there was a big announcement this week from one of the biggest universities in the The UK. In in the world, like you say. Cambridge University saying the 2020-2021 academic year for university will all be online teaching. And suddenly we see and you know kids who have had their a-levels already cut from them now seeing maybe even you know students deferring from going to university in the first year because because they think you know if i'm if you're going to cambridge and your whole thing is online what's the point of going to university paying nine thousand two hundred and fifty pounds for a year when you're all online you don't get the benefits of meeting people socializing what on earth is the point of, of cambridge and it's almost like they've said that as well that they don't necessarily think they're going to review the situation even if you know universities do start up again i'm sure they will have to if it comes to that point but what do we kind of think of cambridge doing this
3: well it'd be really interesting because if they say no deferrals then that's going to really annoy people and the people who are in their second and third year those who are in their second and third year uh i may want to take a year out Uh, i have a friend there who I think is very disgruntled about the whole situation. Uh, But yeah, exactly. If you're a first year, you'd rather start the year after. You know, of course you would. But if they stop, if they don't allow allow deferrals, then people will be annoyed. And if they do allow deferrals, hardly anybody's going to go and they'll leave it till next year. And then they'll have a, a, a bunching up of the next year coming up as well. Yeah, it really is um, an, like, an even interesting if, thing.
1: If, if, if they, even if they just said, OK, well, for the first term, let's say until November, everything's going to be taught online. And, you know, by then, look how quickly the situation, um, you know, is kind of changing now in the whole world. You know, the the, the argument is that some people will, will probably be, um, will be able to return to university in September. And if that means, you know, online teaching for, for a month before, you know, you can probably go back, then fine. But it's the fact that Cambridge have come out and suddenly said, it's a
2: whole year. Harry, what's I'd... your view? Here's the thing. What we're talking about today is about justice. Okay? <laughs> That's what we're talking about here today. I want to make that very clear. Now, if you apply to do a course at the Open University, your tuition fees for a year will be just over £3,000. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, why, why is that, Harry? Why is that? Because it, it's taught online. It's, it's less costly for them and universities will claim that students using the campus and using facilities... Uh, adds so much more value, which um, obviously the 9,250 is this magical number plucked out of the air in the first place. But that's that's a very, very different topic, which we can trace back to, obviously, the coalition government. But anyway, a lot of this is about justice. And if you're paying around triple the amount to do an online course at any other university, for example, mine, University of York, is that really fair? No, it's not. Do you have a choice? No, although you could drop out of university if you wanted to. But here's the thing. <laughs> Here's the thing that I really want to talk about with this, because you mentioned about Cambridge and how they can do that for their entire academic year. Uh, but let's just say, let's just talk about the first term, okay, because no one expected this. No one expected we were gonna be in this position. I've signed a contract to live in the private sector next year, and I signed this contract before the coronavirus uh, pandemic was declared, just that the pandemic. Mm-hmm. And I will be paying my rent for the first term in the private sector Mm. Uh, and and that will be a substantial amount of money which i've had to work i've had to you know i've had to apply for loans and so on to be able to pay for this and i'll have to pay that but if my first term is online the landlords will still reap the benefit they will get the money but the students will be the ones who are left on their knees now i think it's absolutely fine i think it's absolutely fine that the teaching is online if it is in the best interest of the health of the students but if you're charging the maximum amount and if students will be left on their knees from paying rent can we really say that this is justice no we can't
3: there's an interesting thing there as well on top of that because as we were saying earlier we're tied in to the tuition fees anyway so if we took a year out or a gap year however the uni would facilitate us coming back without bunching up too much yeah. we well, may have to, have to pay that year's kind of
1: spreading across the whole year isn't it it'd have to be rather than just a kind of six month university. it'd have to be across the whole year almost wouldn't it
3: right. and and also then you're saying about having to pay the rents at the start um, at the start of your academic year what you've got to remember also is that we are all young and mm-hmm. the majority of us in fact i think the stats are right in saying that fewer of us will die during the coronavirus pandemic because Norm, there are more people that die from hurting themselves by actually being out there in the wild world than um, than being locked down and uh, or having being exposed to coronavirus. So obviously, if you are back at university, the um, increase in deaths wouldn't be particularly sizable at all. And I think what we'll find is that mindset of, oh, I'm young, I'll be fine, obviously, apart from infecting other people. You will see that around the September time, and the government knows this, it's going to be that pressure of schools starting. It's going to be that pressure of university students wanting to go back to university. And if they're stuck in the private sector, they're going to move to their private sector home because now we can move. We can move around as much as we like. Yeah. So there's no kind of. Yes. With that now. Absolutely. Um, so you will find that, that there's going to be a big state of flux, I reckon, in September where the universities are making that decision of, oh, God, do, do we let them go? The bars and nightclubs and things, they'll be wanting to yeah. open to allow students um, a, make a fortune off. Let's
1: have a socially distanced night out, lads. I think but really, Tom, turn... I, think,
2: I think that that point is brilliant and very important that you've mentioned. That that was the nail in the coffin for my argument there, Thomas. I love that. Uh, so, obviously, we just quickly touched on having a socially distanced night out, but what do we kind of think
1: of, you know, we all know that at the end of the day, the thing to keep a student sane is the pub. <laughs> <laughs> so obviously pubs are in lockdown at the minute. Now we are seeing across Europe, you know, pubs, cafes, bars reopening at a socially distanced space. Obviously in U- I know in the UK there's quite a lot of pubs actually starting to slowly reopen and have kind of takeaway pints in a pla- in a you know in a plastic cup or reusable cup or whatever. You can have a takeaway pint. You socially distantly queue. But in terms of kind of coming out of this lockdown, now I think I do think that by September we are going to we are obviously going to be in the later planned phase. And so pubs will probably be open, but the one thing that obviously is the case is is bars and nightclubs because you know I know from my first experience some of the nightclubs in Birmingham, where I'm at university. My God, are you squished? Like, like to the next person like mad to yeah. squeeze in here. And I do think sometimes nightclubs pump people, pump people, so many people in, in, in one night, you, you physically can't move and you're squished. So this is the problem. You can't go from having socially distancing yourself from other people to suddenly being squished up against somebody while you're trying to buy a vodka lemonade. So <laughs> it's like, it's you can't go from that one extreme to the other. So maybe bars and nightclubs might have to take a little bit longer to actually get going again, but that's going to really affect the, you know, the university trade when students start and want to go back in September.
3: Your point there, though, does highlight how much money some of these nightclubs do have coming in and that they're missing out from. Because mm-hmm. what is ironic, really, is that the government is giving us a maintenance loan that the money doesn't necessarily kind of um, that we won't necessarily pay back uh, or that somebody who uh, has a massive salary or especially one that ramps up later on will pay several times over that money is is borrowed money and is being used not necessarily on uni accommodation but is being used to go into the pockets of these nightclub owners right and they're missing out on that and i suppose depending on how you look at it you might think oh well that's a that's a decline in business and on the other hand you might think well they've had a they've probably had quite a good innings up until this point and surely they wouldn't need to be they wouldn't need to have government grants to help them along because but they'll be they'll heard, be doing so well is. compared yeah. to these small little shops that but, have probably just been like bumbling along and now have actually seriously could be coming under some serious pressure
1: well i do, I do I've got to put a point to what you've said there i mean you've got to think you know if at the end of the day if a big nightclub set like up prism as uh, we have we all been to a prism i have. Oh, yeah. we've all been to a prism so you know a big nightclub like prism you know they do go to wholesalers and whether it be a national wholesaler or a local wholesaler, you've got to think as well of the supply chain so if you know students aren't being able to go out for a night out in a prison then their suppliers then suffer and it all you know all kind of stems back and so there is going to be this kind of there is obviously a massive hit on the economy and we all know what's you know probably what's what's around the corner but point is that these nightclubs are going to be so determined to reopen again but i do definitely think there's going to have to be some kind of regulation probably from local government because you know as this track and trace system comes in and there's maybe different areas differ in terms of cases there is going to have to be some kind of uh, enforcement from from local government certainly and and, and city councils and things of, of how how night and stuff can approach this because i certainly i know you know i, I want, might want to go out but i'm not going to feel safe if i'm being completely squished and pushed between people in a nightclub maybe even halving the intake of on a night out would make def- a difference with it you say that but i do think that it would have some kind of difference you only have half capacity now it might not be a great night out but if it's not a great night out well then students aren't going to go on that night out so it, it kind of works it kind of works both ways and see what you mean but i think maybe even stepping away from nightclubs, i think pubs are the most important thing first almost aren't they
3: for you two lads you uh... <laughs> <laughs> well you
1: know yeah. we want to we want to get the beers in we do We absolutely do. And, you know, I must admit, since the lockdown rules have changed in the past couple of weeks, me and Harry have gone off. uh, We've gone we've gone in the public outdoor space. We've had a socially distanced drink together, you know, and it's been nice to have a catch up and, and, you know, beat while following the lockdown rules. But being able to meet up again. And, you know, I don't think actually many students would mind going to a pub, sitting in a beer garden, but just sitting two metres apart because they're still in that environment. They're still in that nice social environment, but they're all keeping to two metres apart and you know at the end of the day i think people because obviously we've had our freedoms so restricted by this just going to a beer garden just simple things are going to feel like so much of a luxury again um it's going to be so nice to do that again And i think if you're going to reopen pubs get beer gardens open people can restrict um, themselves to two meters apart and then you know it's all fine and dandy and i think you know for students like us Um, where we love to socialise, we love to talk to our friends, you know, I've not seen my friends at uni for ages, the same with all of you boys it's lucky that, you know, me and Harry live local so we can go and see each other, obviously Tom you live quite a while away so we haven't been able to see you in person, but you know, the simple things in life like going to the pub, like sitting in the beer garden are certainly going to feel like one hell of a luxury and I think that would do good for the mentality of, of, you know, of of students to be able to get back out into those pubs. Now before I come to you Thomas, I just wanted to make our listeners aware of this... The following is a public service announcement from The Political Matter. I don't know whether you saw this, Thomas, but I saw a YouGov poll which said that only 30% of people in the British public actually trust what they see, hear and read within the mainstream media.
3: I didn't, but I'm not surprised. Some people think that the media is a right-wing empire. Others think that the mainstream has been corrupted by political correctness gone mad. No one's happy. It's certainly easy to fall into the trap of reading and listening to the views of people, groups, social media sites or news outlets that share your worldview, which only reinforces your beliefs and often fails to challenge them. Whatever you tend to agree with, progressive, conservative or somewhere in the middle, it seems to be natural for us to stick to what we know. We at the Political Natter podcast think that we need to strip back the political isolation and encourage different views and topics to be discussed all in one place.
1: That's why we've created the Political Natter blog. It's a thought-provoking website which has a large spectrum of differing political views because we want to stimulate debate and conversation.
3: The Political Natter blog is putting a plethora of people's personal opinions back into the perplexing pool of politics.
1: Visit politicalnatter.wordpress.com by students for everyone.
3: two points from what you said the first one is that yes there's two of you and you can meet up under the social distancing guidelines and but if there's more than two you can't or mm-hmm. and 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 it's but, these yeah, kind we of nuances
1: forward as well we're talking about kind of over the next month two months yeah so we're talking about july when pubs are, can properly reopen i'd say the rules will probably change
3: to four they probably or five will meetings. and i think that's why they're loosening up the rules and some people are saying, oh, well, you can do this, but you can't do this. But I think that the point that some people are complaining about the nuance, but I think the nuance is the whole point, because they're wanting people to gradu- just uh, slow the spread down. Now, whether they did that too early or not, who knows? I think probably so. But I'm, uh, they probably, you know, they'll know way more than me. So they'll have their own reasons for doing this. But, you know, I could go and drive to go and see you, but I couldn't have a socially distanced talk with you. But in practice, loads of people are going to be doing this and staying apart, but they're just gonna be trying to avoid coming into proper contact with each other. And the second point is you talk about appreciation. And I think that overall lockdown and this whole coronavirus crisis has had a, a really big impact on how people see the world canals are clearing up and the environment's improving etc but i think from a that that's that's an important point but also it's made people realize how important friends are and how important family is and how important the core things are like having a home to go to and you know, having, being able to get food and being able to socialise with people more than some of these people that like to whinge about tiny, minute things. I've heard very little of that recently because people are thinking about bigger things. And it's, and, it's, and, it's, and it's, I think, a nice thing that we are really starting to appreciate how important others are and how much there has been contact, in my experience, way more people FaceTiming, having conversations with people and, and opening up to people that you probably should have made an effort with.
1: And just generally, you know, catching up with people, you know, talking to people which you maybe have left behind when you've gone to university and catching up with them, and seeing how they are. Because, you know, one thing which we do well in, in this country is, is in, in hard times coming together as, as one big community and helping each other out, going to the next door neighbour, asking if they need anything from the shop. And so, yeah, I completely, I completely get what you're saying, Harry.
2: In that respect, things are changing. Things are reforming. A lot of the time, people didn't think that certain jobs could have even been done uh, from home, online, but they can be. Or a lot of the time, people may have even known that they can be, but they denied people the chance. But I think people now, they're more interested, well, on the whole, I think people have become more interested in the genuine welfare of people. And many have tapped into the fact that the genuine welfare of the population is the most important thing and you'll find that if you have a happy country which is better looked after then you're actually you can have still a strong economy you know so for example uh the furlough scheme which is a very unconservative thing that the conservative government have done you know and um, but i think that at the but end they of know, the day but
1: they, but they realized they had to do it and yeah. they realized that they to stop a com. and you know i think in terms of kind of managing this quite well I think, you know, while, you know, some economies have been shut down, you look at physical street retail, you look at pubs, look at the other things that have boomed online retailing. I know I was yeah. seeing an interview with Theo Pathetis, the ex-Dragon star, and he was saying that actually the coronavirus has probably advanced the rise of online marketing and the continued rise of online marketing by about five years. And we've kind of <sighs> seen this big fast forward in certain industries and in certain areas and certain sectors it kind of accelerate um, in about five years. Uh, there's, so
3: much, there's so much money that's come out of the government's coffers that it makes you realise, well, what if there wasn't the money there in the first place and it all been spent? Uh, unless we're, we're obviously thinking about borrowing as well. This, this These are all it, uh, add to an overall economic output. But, Harry, you say that it shows that you can still have a strong economy hmm. and look after the welfare of the people. This is the thing. The balance between economy and the welfare of the people because we know that the economy is going to take a a, a quite a sizable hit but what we hope is through the the furloughing and what we hope is through the generous giving from the government we hope that we'll be able to ride that wave out better than other countries and maybe we'll have a comparatively better off in the short term uh, economic position in some other countries and yes you're right about working from home that is very much the case although i do think that actually being physically present does encourage people well, it, does, it brings out a responsibility it makes sure that well, everybody comes in on every day and you can nail yeah. something to a person and it, and it, and well, it, as if you're just a distance yeah. digitally you may not yeah. be able to enforce that, it so well
1: i could definitely see the argument about as well you know if you're a paid By the hour, then you want a physical clock in and clock out, and it's there's there's lots of different ways, but I know certainly Facebook have said that that there could be as much as 45% of their staff will never return to the office again after this is over. So that's quite interesting. And, you know, we are going to see a big interest, you know, and, you know, companies after this are going to obviously take an economic hit. And they're going to be thinking, well, how can we get rid of those overheads? Well, if it means that two floors of our staff out of our five floors can work from home, well, then we've saved rental money on on having to rent out those two floors of space. So uh, it's going to be interesting to see, Harry.
3: Don't we feel yeah. for office uh, office rentals, though? These people yeah. are going to take a hit.
2: Yeah. One thing, uh, I, drifting away from the UK, and uh, I just thought I'd bring it up more as just like, an interesting fact to tell you guys, is that over in New Zealand, the Prime Minister, uh, who's obviously done an absolutely wonderful job over there, is thinking of switching to a four-day working week. And what this would do for New Zealand particularly, what she's thinking, what that would do, is through doing that that people will be able to travel domestically more in New Zealand, and that will s- stimulate the tr- uh, the tourism economy in New Zealand, which is absolutely massive, and that will rebuild and repair the New Zealand
3: economy. I thought that was brilliant, great well, idea. Well, I I reckon that well, obviously Corbyn got slated for that at, at one of the recent elections, the twenty nineteen one. Uh, yeah, but as I a th-
2: reactive idea, I think it's 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 very interesting. I fairly. think.
3: If that happens, it'll be uh, interesting to see the outcome. I reckon probably it'll be worse than it is better.
1: We're not gonna see it in, 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 in this country, oh, but no, I, no, I, no. I understand your point, Harry, for New Zealand, which has a completely oh, yeah. different which has an economy which relies on completely different sectors. I can understand oh, yeah. why they're for, want for to New do Zealand, not, not I mean I mean yeah. I'm not saying that
2: like yeah. we would adopt it. No, 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 I just I, thought it was very interesting. Yeah.
1: No, but that is, and you know, this is the thing, like, different countries are going to take different steps and different approaches to come out of this because it's a new situation, and they're going to take different steps on how do they re-stimulate the economy, and and it's going to be interesting, and then the effect on, on public service and all of that, and so it's going to be really interesting, but I must say thank you boys for joining me because this was a very very interesting chat about our own yeah. experiences mm. and we hope people listening have had maybe something to relate to us to if you're a university student and you've been able to relate to us of course if you want to read more articles and more pieces by students but for all of you lovely people listening out there then you can go to our very very lovely and swish looking blog go to politicalnasa.wordpress.com you can read st- articles opinion pieces because we love to stimulate a bit of debate we love to get people talking and that's what our articles are all about so make sure you head over to political if you want to read more of our stuff it simply leaves me to say thank you once again to thomas gregory and harry Padrón for joining me on this podcast goodbye from me i'll leave the final goodbye to you guys
3: natter with us next time on the political natter
0: an update from the government about coronavirus. We all need to stay alert so we can control the virus and reduce the risk of infection. Staying alert means you must stay at home as much as possible, work from home if you can, limit contact with others, keep your distance if you go out, and wash your hands regularly. Do not leave home if you or anyone in your household has symptoms. Stay alert. Control the virus. Save lives.